Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me, it's Derek Specht. Hello. What's happening, Derek? Not much, man. I'm just excited for spring to be here. I saw that you had your dog out, so it's. Uh, I see lots of people posting about being out in the water. It's uh, it's quite exciting. Soft water season. Yes, soft water season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got a couple things going on next couple weeks. Yard work? Yard work. <laughs> yeah, one of them. Heading to Tomogamy for a couple of days. That's nice. That's cool. Uh, I might see if I can get back out this weekend, at least for few hours on the water, get a little bit more canoe dog training. Uh, other than that, yeah, just work, 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 work. Yes. It's been a lot of rain too, so you don't Has mind. It? Yeah, you don't mind working if it's raining during the day, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I took uh, Athena out. Oh, before I get into that, I ordered a canoe sale. Ah, uh, yes. Canoe yes. slash kayak sale. It's one of those round ones with the yeah. window in it. Mm-hmm. I did't mean to do that too. Like you ordered it. I was, I've been meaning just to, do they sell them at sale? At sales at sale? I can't they find sales at anybody sale? where you can walk in and buy them. Everything points you to a, a Amazon site. The last time I saw one in person was when we went up to get your canoe that you bought. At Swift? Yeah. Did they, in, did they have some there? At that time, that was yeah. a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. It, everything I see now, like you look, oh, these people make them. Okay, well, let's go to their site. And you click, I want to buy one of these, and it shoots you to an Amazon site. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I am very wary of buying anything off of Amazon or, you know. I try not to, but sometimes you're cornered. Well, I won't buy clothes off there again. Ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. <laughs> uh, I went uh, a few years back. I got the, uh, I bought this uh, shirt. And it was a really lightweight cotton shirt. I'm thinking this will be great for being out on the water. Yeah. Because it's lightweight. It's it's long sleeve and everything. So it covers you from the sun. But like it is so lightweight that air goes right through it. So you're going to be yeah. cool, right? In the, mm-hmm. On the hot days. But you're going to be Protector covered from, from, the sun, from direct not sun. Not too hot. Yeah. So I got the extra, extra large. I don't know what size human <laughs> being baby they're using for their sizes, but it wasn't an adult. <laughs> I couldn't even get this thing over my shoulder, and that's an extra, extra yeah. large? It can be I mean, really hit and miss. Like, North Americans tend to be a bit bigger than, than Asians and so on, and sometimes you got to wonder, okay, do I have to order this big? This is coming from, like, China, or this is coming from Japan, or something. It's like, well... What what the, their size standards are different. Well, see, that's why I ordered an extra extra large. Usually, I just get large. <laughs> yeah, but I figured, you know what? These sizes just don't sound right. I'm gonna just yeah. Justin. I needed like gunny sack. If you go by <laughs> <laughs> you go by their sizing, <laughs> just send me a tent. <laughs> it might fit. I need an eight XL. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like ordering stuff out online, like clothes-wise. It's nice to be able to touch and see and... But it, Try it on first. Yeah. It's getting Save harder a lot to of, do. Yeah. Yeah. Off to Waldo Mart we go. Uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, my canoe sale that said, hey, yeah, it's sold by a Canadian company is coming from China. Mm-hmm. That's another issue. 
So it well, could actually is coming from Canada. If, yeah, and then it's being shipped from China so in three weeks. Some of the some of the locations are being deceptive mm-hmm. because they know you're from Canada, so they insert the, the being delivered from sourced from. Yeah. Or, or there's could be some manufacturers here, or some sales point of sales, where they say, "Well, we don't carry stock on hand. We got to ship it in yeah, from have yeah." To ship it in from and I, I'm thinking that's what it is, but that's kind of sneaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kinda, come on, Amazon, get on that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'll I'll see how that goes. Uh, but it'll fit on the canoe and the kayak. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because yeah. it's got the little clips got at the, the bottom. How it ties on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll see how. Uh, how that one works. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll take Tracy back to Divorce Lake and give it a whirl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's ever going to happen again. John Van Berger used one. He used it on the Yukon journey. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I had seen them for years. I heard him talk about it. He said it was great. But I just never got around to pulling the trigger on it. Well, he said as well that when that wind really took it, Hmm. Like you got some good speed. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking. Well, I've in high winds, I've held out my paddle occasionally to see. I could feel the pull. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in high winds, if when I have a tailwind, I every when I bring my paddle forward to start a new stroke, I carry it flat bladed into the wind, so it, it gives a little bit extra push. So I adjust yeah, my paddle stroke. Well, all I know is that I'm going to get on Lake Ontario one day and then call Tracy. Yeah, I'm in like <laughs> I'm the in U.S. Rochester. I'm in Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> you drive around and bitch Help. <laughs> I don't know. I put the sail up and <laughs> shoom, gone like a shot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this weekend there on, on uh, Sunday, this past weekend, uh, went down to Rotary Park in, in Ajax yep. here and... Uh, Put the canoe in and said, mount up. And Athena jumped right into the right, on. right into the boat. And she was good with it. Uh, we went out in the water. A lot of people fishing, too. So you got to, you're, you're keeping that in your mind where all yeah. that's going to, yeah. right? Because it's, I don't know, it's supposed to be salmon season or whatever yeah. right now. But you don't need a hook upside the head. No. Uh, she, like I say, she got into the canoe problems. We got out there, no problems. Didn't take her long to get the hang of things. Mm-hmm. She wasn't big on sitting down. Well, she's on she point wa- now. She's she wants excited. to stand, yeah. right? This is new. There's stuff yeah. to see. Yeah. And I mean, very curious, looking around, lots of birds. And so we're, we went, we went out onto Lake Ontario first, under the bridge and onto Lake yep. Ontario, just a little ways out to check it out and then rode the ways back in and uh, went up the river, up Duffins Creek a bit, did some exploring with the, with the, there's a small bay there. That has yes, the floating the, turn nesting yeah, area. Yeah. And there's a bunch of swans in there. But then we went up the river a little ways and there's a big straightaway as we turned around to come back. About 20 feet off the water, there's a swan coming straight at <laughs> us, um, flying straight overhead. Yeah. And she just didn't know what to do. I mean, swans are huge when yeah, they got those wings yeah, and, yeah. you know, they're, it's, it's looks it's like a 747. Bigger, <laughs> bigger than her. And uh, no, she just, yeah, just loved it. Um, she would lean over every so often and drink out of the out of the oh, lake. Yeah. You know, uh, we're we're. I mean, for all intents and purposes, we're paddling in a giant water bowl. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but it wasn't like she was leaning too far over that you're going whoa 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 yeah, whoa, okay. whoa. We're gonna tip or anything. No, she just low and <laughs> low to the to the gunnel and just tipped her head over and took some sips out. And uh, yeah, she wasn't doing anything that would 
I was worried about tipping or anything. Oh, okay, yeah. Mind yeah. you, I, I got to use my dry suit again, so. There you go. You know, so you were ready for yeah. it. Yeah. And she had her life jacket on and, and all that How cold was the water? Uh, I stuck my fingers in, it was cold. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have a thermometer, I, I really, mm-hmm. I just know this time of year it's cold, so I'm going to wear my jacket yeah. or my, my dry suit, so. Might as well use it. Um, I am going to get her a pad to sit or stand on, yeah. whatever, because that'll give her a place, maybe that, you know, that's what you sit on. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, she didn't, she came over a couple times, because I was kneeling just in front of the uh, the yoke, right? Or just behind the yoke. And she came over a couple times looking at me and. What are you doing? What are you doing? uh, (laughs) So what are we doing here? Uh, Is this this it? She does chase the paddle. Oh. Like if you're bringing it, she wants to. She She goes for it. She goes for it a little bit. I think more to curiosity than anything. Um, Are we playing? Are we playing? Are we playing? Well, and she sees the water dripping off (laughs) too, right? So so maybe she thinks it's a bit of a game. She'll get used to that. But no, you know what? Well, she got really comfortable for her first time out. Mm-hmm. Uh, no issues whatsoever. We got into shore, told her dismount, and out she jumped. And right on, had a blast. Excellent. Right yeah. On. So yeah, official canoe dog of paddling adventures. Radio. <laughs> Until you get a dog, then we'll we'll have two official dogs. Yeah. Siobhan, Derek's buying a dog. Yeah. A really, really, really big one. <laughs> Great Dane. Chihuahua. Great Dane mixed with a Chihuahua. Get a standard poodle. A Chihuahua Dane. (laughs) Get one of those Taco Bell Chihuahuas. Really tall back end and really low front end. I want want one of those Taco Bell Chihuahuas. Oh, yo quiero Taco Bell. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so looking forward to uh, getting her out in um, July. I know I'm going to Tomogamy with her for a few days. Yes. To get her some backcountry, see how she does there. Somewhere it's easy to get yeah. into so that if things don't go right, then mm-hmm. we can get out sort of deal. So, you know, slowly but sure, you get her all. Yeah. She's five months old already. Or have, sorry, nine months have old Have you already. had her off trail or in the woods or forest? Oh, or? definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, the day before, on the Saturday, we were back up in uh, the hiking trails are up in Greenwood. Okay. And then down at the river. And and she stuck close? She didn't just bolt off into the woods after a rabbit or something? No. No, we we use the close command. Mm-hmm. So when she's getting too far, it's like close, and she sort That's of good. she slows right down. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she'll stop and wait for you to catch up, but most times she if she's going five kilometers an hour, she slows down to one kilometer an hour, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not that she's going five kilometers. An yeah, hour, but uh, yeah, so she'll just slow down a bit and wait okay. for you. She'll look over her shoulder. You know, turn sideways, stop for a second, let you catch up. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't come ripping right back all the yeah. time unless you, you know, um, you say close, she gets her attention. Mm-hmm. You say, come here. And then she comes back to you. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, okay, fine. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have you at my, my heel constantly. Yeah. But knowing the fact that if I do say, come here, yeah. then yeah, she comes right back. So last thing you want is her to go after a bear or something and then bring the bear back to you and. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, if lets me get away. And you don't want her to harass animals in the woods either. No, no. You know, she tries to chase uh, birds, so that's the last thing I need to do is is uh, be sitting there and watch a rabbit or something go across the path and all of a sudden, <laughs> yes, gone like exactly. a shot. Yeah. So how's the dog? We don't own her anymore. <laughs> <laughs> She's living with a bear in the yeah. woods. <laughs> she went that away. <laughs> she belongs to a family of rabbits now. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, she belongs to that clan of rabbits. <laughs> She's the biggest rabbit I've ever seen. <laughs> Looked like a German shepherd. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a good uh, good weekend. Awesome. Busy. Yeah, lots, lots of outdoorsy stuff, which yeah. was nice. It's good news that she's, like, rolling with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, we got a few things to talk about tonight. Do, do, do. A, lot of, a lot of Algonquin stuff going on right now. Uh, over in the UK, though, mm-hmm. hundreds of people who are fed up with water companies pumping raw sewage into the sea are set to take to the water of Plymouth Sound in protest. The event titled Sick of Sewage Plymouth Paddle Out Protest will take place on May 20th. Those interested in attending the protest and paddle out on boards of any kind have been asked to gather at Tinside Beach East, bring their boards, paddles, swim caps, and placards. Hmm. So far, 259 people confirmed uh, via the event Facebook page that they are attending, so... 259 people so far. That's, That's pretty good. Pretty big. That's a start. Yeah, so it comes after the MPs voted uh, some new regulations in January that allow water companies to continue dumping sewage into the UK rivers and seas for another 15 years. That's a long period of time. So, right? like, you'd think that in this day and age we'd be striving to do a little bit better. Like, I know there's a there's a few towns and cities in Canada that do have same issues. Like, Halifax uh, was slow to roll into uh, water treatment. And I remember when I used to live down in Halifax in the early 90s, it, like, you could go down. It was a park, Point Pleasant Park, and you'd walk along the beach and there'd be, like, debris and garbage mm-hmm. and, you know, personal items from the people would flush or on the beach. You can see the stuff bubbling up, like, 50 feet out. Yeah. It's like, well, this is kind of ridiculous. Out in Victoria, BC, I lived there for a while, and they do have, like, a five-kilometer tube that runs out into the ocean. Everything goes out into the ocean. All sewage. Really? Yeah. Well, this one here is a combined sewage overflow system. Mm-hmm. So the drains combine uh, raw sewage from homes with runoff from the land, and firms are allowed to let them open into the seas and rivers when they are overwhelmed by heavy rain to avoid it backing up into homes. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you know, on one hand, yeah, it's not coming back into your house, but on the other hand... Yeah, they need your, to... Your, mm-hmm. Billy Connolly, you are a Scottish comedian. Yes, yeah. He did a bit uh, uh, about that. He says, when you take a poo and you flush <laughs> it, it goes out into the sea. And then a fish the eats fish it. eats it. And here you are on your airline flight eating fish. <laughs> You're eating your own poop. <laughs> True story. <laughs> he did this whole whole bit. I mean, it yeah. took a bit longer, but yeah, they're they're just ship, shipping this out to the sea and and rivers and stuff. Like like I say, it's it's yeah, okay, it's not going back into your house and overflowing, but they got to figure something out. Mm-hmm. Uh, organizers have created an event page for the protest. A post on the page reads: "Calling all environmentalists and water lovers." It's time to take a stand against sewage pollution and make some waves. Surfers Against Sewage is leading the charge with the first ever national paddle-out protest taking place simultaneously across 12 locations in the UK. So it's... So you can see the the people are being getting involved with uh, with correcting these issues, and we see it everywhere here mm-hmm. locally and whatever. But it, it, it people only seem to care when it affects them. 
And so what you need is it, too often you see the government come out and say, listen, we need better regulations. We need to control the outflow and the, the, the affluent and stuff like that. And then so they put in new rules and everybody freaks out. It's like, oh, the government's taking over. It's like, oh, no, do you like this may not be flowing into your backyard, but it's flowing into somebody's backyard. Right. And everybody's backyard is affected when it goes into like lake streams and rivers and ocean and stuff. And so there's there is a necessity to start controlling some of this stuff, and unfortunately, there's too many. You have a vocal minority who somehow gets this continued to be allowed, and we don't have enough people with a bigger voice to correct and fix it. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to a, you got the group that wants it fixed, mm-hmm. but like you say. The bigger group doesn't happen until it's too late and everybody finds out yep. what's going on. Yeah. They didn't pay attention before. Yeah. And, and now that, you know, they're going out for a paddle and there's poo floating by. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now it's an issue. <laughs> now we're interested. Now, wait a minute. Yeah. But like for the city itself for to pass this new bylaw to say, yeah, for 10, 15 more years, we're going to be able to dump it. That's self-interest. That's the city that's a saying. a long time. That's a city saying we don't have the billion dollars to build a facility to take care of this affluence. So we're going mm-hmm. to give ourselves another 15 years. And in 15 years, we'll say, hey, do we have the money yet? They didn't save it up till then, but they're going to, okay, well, I guess 15 Well, at that point, it'll be years. someone else's problem. Exactly. Right. You're putting it, you're, instead of you, spend, instead of some politicians spending it now saying, let's fix it now, they're saying, yeah, there's an election in five years. We'll let them decide. Right. And every politician does that next year, next year, next year. Unless you're Doug Ford with everybody scratching your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll get into... Uh, well, we we're not really getting into him tonight, but... No. Uh, Algonquin Park. They are getting some money. Yes. So, yes, it's a bigger thing. So, it's like $41 million that Ontario Parks is starting to dish out across mm-hmm. the province to all provincial parks. So, we're upgrading services and facilities and, you know, vault toilets and this, that, the other thing. And... Algonquin Park is getting a fairly big chunk of it, $3.3 million. $41.7 million investment over two years to upgrade and maintain Ontario Park's infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Uh, More than $3.3 million will be spent to build, maintain, revitalize infrastructure at Algonquin Provincial Park, including more roofed accommodations and bridges. Funding will increase opportunities for overnight camping and improve the visitor experience on trails at Canada's oldest provincial park, says a government release. So, yeah, you know, I mean, we go up to Mule Lake for New Year's and Halloween and stuff like that. And, you know, there's the people, uh, you know, they don't go backcountry, but they go front country camping and Mm -hmm. they do the... Do the paddling during the days, and they rent the canoes and yeah. go to all the different lakes and the trails. Uh, there, are, they in twenty twenty two Ontario parks recorded more than twelve point one million visits, and overnight camping grew by nine percent over twenty twenty one. Well, that's just in one year. Yeah, but it's also there was a specific reason for that. Yeah, because I can't remember once what it was, COVID but. is finished, everybody wanted to get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows an increasing demand for our beautiful bin- provincial parks, says David Piccini, Minister of the Environment, Conservation and Parks. Building more roofed accommodations and bridges are an important part of ensuring visitors can enjoy a memorable experience in Algonquin Park year-round. Which is true. 
Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, like I say, with the even with the the roofed accommodations, there's people that would love to go up to the park to do the winter camping. Yep. But they don't have the hot tents and all that. Exactly. That's they just required. they want to try it out. They haven't. Yeah. They haven't invested enough for themselves to make it into a backcountry site or whatever, or a front country site. So hey, these cabins and yurts—they're what they're, they're adding all a bunch. Heated. Of ca- yeah, they, they're yeah. heated. They're some of them are wheelchair accessible. Mm-hmm. So it's a this is a good investment. Yeah, money will support the construction of a new roofed accommodations at Mew Lake Campground, uh, like I was saying there, and uh, as well as replacement of two bridges at Rock Lake and Pog Lake Campgrounds. And roadway paving and improvements along Highway 60. That's where most of the money is going to go. That oh yeah, roads the paving, are expensive. Yeah, uh, there there's parts in there that do. Now they've have been doing some stuff over the last few years. They have. There's a lot yeah. of traffic that goes through highway, highway 60 through Algonquin Park is a main through fare to get from east to west through Ontario. Yeah, and so there's a lot of traffic that heads through that area. It's a busy road. Well, if you want to go from North Bay to Ottawa. Yeah. That's what you yeah. do. You take Highway 60, right? Mm-hmm. Or not, or you can go yeah, over around the top. The, over go over the top, top. But, you know, Huntsville, you go straight through yeah. to Whitney or, and farther, right? Yeah. Uh, Ontario Parks is planning on updating three additional yurts at Mew Lake Campground this year to offer modern camping amenities. In a 2021 survey, close to one-third of Ontario Park visitors said they would be more likely to visit in future if more roofed accommodations were available to rent. I hope somebody doesn't along the line comes, listen, why don't we put like a small hotel? <laughs> Dude, you laugh. But you know that probably no, has know. been thrown out there. Yeah. So this will come up later too. Uh, I'll, I'll mention this again about uh, accommodations and hotels and other structures. Okie dokie. So wait for it. I can tell you firsthand from growing up hiking in Algonquin Provincial Park, it has so much to offer visitors from hiking and biking trails to canoe routes and a discovery program. And I'm pleased we are bringing even more to the park by building more roofed accommodations for overnight stays, says John Yakabuski, parliamentary assistant. Uh, Established 1893, Algonquin Provincial Park is Ontario's first provincial park and Canada's oldest provincial park. Uh, offering four season activities, including camping, fishing, and skating, drawing about 1.1 million visits in 2022. Park protects more than 1.9 million acres of land. That's bigger than the size of the province of Prince Edward Island. It's big. It's a big. big. So it's nice to see they're getting some money Mm -hmm. and to do some upgrades to infrastructure, and that's definitely needed. Um, I wonder how much of that's going to go towards uh, park firewood. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Can't get out of Algonquin Park without talking about their crappy firewood. Hey, speaking of trees in Algonquin Park. There you go. Good segue. that for a segue, buddy? <laughs> First, researchers found one, and now four years later, they discovered five additional trees in Algonquin Provincial Park. Five trees. That are more than 400 years old. It's very rare to live that long without falling down in a windstorm or mm-hmm. ice storm or whatever, but they do still exist. There's some yep. areas that are that are so difficult to access unless you're by canoe that they haven't been logged. Yep. Uh, located in a logging zone, they are now urging the government to protect from logging. So these trees that they found are now in a logging zone because, I, I mean, they build roads over time to yeah. get to different areas, right? 
said, we've done more studies and found five more trees for a total of six over 400 years old and many more trees over 250 years old at Cayuga Lake, says Mike Henry, a senior ecologist and lead researcher of the Algonquin Park Old Growth Forest Project uh, and author of Ontario's Old Growth Forests. So over 250 years old even. Yeah. It's huge. That's incredible. I thought we'd find at least one or two more in the 400-year range, but I didn't expect to find six. The very old unprotected forest is about 1.7 square kilometers in size. So they want to, I guess these these trees are situated in the area that they're planning on logging. So they want to say uh, no. We also studied another forest near Longboot Lake in Algonquin Panhandle and found trees over 300 years old. This forest is smaller, but it's part of a larger roadless area. There are a number of large roadless areas in Algonquin Park that are unprotected. Some are an imminent risk of being logged. So there are areas that are protected that loggers aren't allowed to touch. Uh, so anything that's in those areas. Are, and I remember when we were with the, with the ABR, the Algonquin Backcountry Recreationalists, talking about the forestry, we went looking at some of these areas that were protected. And it's like, well, yeah, it's protected because it's like, surrounded in marsh yes <laughs> uh it's areas that you're gonna have to spend too much money to get into that's the only reason you guys have protected that mm-hmm. so that kind of cheats yeah you know um but uh so they're fine yeah anywhere from over 250 to 400 years old these trees it's pretty that's, incredible that's, eh? that's cool really cool yeah and but it's also I think you're hitting the limit of how old a tree can live in that environment too, so I, I wouldn't expect them to to last too much longer. Well, I don't know. I haven't I, found I, a six hundred year old tree. Um, uh, not there. No, but you're talking with cedars, the white cedars, uh, hemlocks, net. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I don't. I, I don't know if there is a. Is there is there a world record old tree or cedar? There's a few. There's uh, I've heard of trees over in European countries. Some of them are estimated to be five thousand years old. Yada yada yeah. yada. Yeah, but not here, I guess. Mm. Well, you got to think that maybe some of it. Well, uh, Algonquin was Ontario's first provincial park. It's the oldest in the country. Created in 1893, and a total spans 768,902 hectares of land. Logging has always been allowed, though it's only such, uh, is the only such park in the province and one of two in the country where this is the case. Now, I know going through the comments on this article, people were like, why, what do you mean this was logging's allowed? How mm-hmm. is that possible? People don't realize the only reason <laughs> Algonquin Park exists yes. was to protect the trees for loggers. This was my, this is why I said this is going to come up later. So, yes, Algonquin Park, it was the first park created. Ontario had a great interest, or the loggers had a great interest in this area because they wanted, they saw that there was this rush for farming and communities and so on. You know, you see northern Ontario heading west and Cochrane and so on. All these communities are being built. Railroads are being built. Roads are being built. So they said, we need to protect these trees that we want to log. So let's campaign with the province and create a park. Mm-hmm. It'll be a logging park. 
but it'll be, you know, the, it was sold as, you know, a great vacation. Look at this. Look at the access. And and so it worked, and they protected this park from lo- for logging from farming and communities. And uh, that's the only reason why you have trees that are currently this old in Algonquin Park. Otherwise, you just have – it'd be cottage country. Yeah. This honestly would be cottage country. Well, I mean, there, there's <clears> – <throat> I, I mean, there was people trying to farm and stuff like that in there, and it really was way too much work. It was too much work, but they did want to preserve and protect the logging. Mm-hmm. And so a lot, all these logs were, were uh, felled and taken over to England for boat building and so on back in the day. Yep. But like you look at Cayuga Lake, it's just south of North T Lake, way up north end of the park. And it's in an area that's not accessible. You, like you have to bushwhack to get to it. It's, uh, of course, you're going to have 400 year old trees. It's, it's not easily, it is in a logging zone, mm-hmm. but most, there's very few sections of the park that are considered sensitive that are not logging. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to sell the idea of logging. I'm not against the idea of logging. There's a place and time for it, but. A lot of people are ignorant to the fact that this park was created to protect the logging industry yeah. in that area. So researchers uh, say the old growth forests, which include aged hemlocks, have international significance. And a decade ago, the province's environmental commissioner said a ban on all commercial logging in the park was needed. That was 10 years ago. Hmm. Uh, the researcher here, Henry, he says that said if the protected area of the park could be expanded from 35 to 40%, that would be a start. That would be at least protect the really high value areas. Well, that's what they need to do is protect, just protect the trees that. That you want to protect. That, yeah. I mean, if yeah. it's old growth, yeah. 400 year old tree, protect it. Yeah, sure. That's Simple, fine. Easy. But don't cancel all logging in the whole park. Like right now, the the current plan, I think the. The current logging plan goes to 2031. 2030, yeah. It's then, then they're going to renew it for another 10 years or yep. whatever. So right now, like the the plan is they only log 1.6 or 1.7% of the percent of the park mm-hmm. each year. So it's a very minuscule portion. And sure, it, it's ugly, but they don't, we don't, we, they don't clear cut in Algonquin Park. They they clear cut in areas where logging is, it's like game on type thing. Mm-hmm. But they don't clear cut in Algonquin. It's selective logging. They uh, they do leave some canopy trees for for animals and areas and whatever, right? So, so they, they are conscious of what they're doing to the environment. Loggers, they want to protect the environment too, right? That's their way of life, their business. They're not going to just lop everything down and, and uh, you know, they're not going to kill the land just to for a buck it's yeah it's, you know it's the whole su- the sustainable yes sustainable. and i mean of course people argue well there is no such thing as sustainable logging and well, i'm not going to get into when it all comes that. to cottage country and building homes and raising the ground it's uh there's that's not sustainable either but mm-hmm. nobody argues about that like in any community like like uh currently they're looking at what, what is the province wants to build a million homes in the next 10 years. A million homes. So I think there's more to protect in southern Ontario than, you know, than be worried about the 1.6% of Algonquin Park that might be logged every year. Well, is it, there are many areas within the park where forest harvest not permitted. Approximately 1.7% of the entire park can be sustainably harvested each, each year. 
Given recent harvest rates, the actual harvest levels have been less than 1% in the park. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Katie Krelove of Wilderness Committee, a uh, national charitable organization, has long pushed for a phase out to all logging in Algonquin Park and has been urging the government to act. Government's not going to act. No. Doug, Doug Ford? No. I mean, take a look at Tomogamy with uh, Save Wolf Lake and, and mm-hmm. all that. You got the old growth forest over there, and he's just, no, build, want. build the roads, go to town. He's very pro-business. Oh, big time. Uh, park contains an estimated 40% of all growth, old growth forests in central Ontario, and to date, about 24,000 hectares of old growth stands have been discovered, and the committee says up to 17,000 hectares could be logged over the next decade. I like going on canoe trips and seeing these old trees, these stands of old trees. Yep, and all of the area, or mo- a lot of the areas where these are, that you can find some of these old growths are, are already protected. They're mm-hmm. sensitive zones, and so they're not going to log those areas. But out in the middle of like some, you know, northern northwest corner of the park where nobody goes... It's like, well, this is where we're going to log and we're going to pick these selective areas and do so selective logging. It is sustainable. You don't, they end up clearing out the forest with all the, all the crap that builds up and causes forest fires. So yeah, it is sustainable. You know, it is. Um, Mm. Forestry practice in the park today is, is science based and subject to meaningful public consultation. Ontario is a world leader in sustainable forest management while protecting the natural beauty uh, Ontarians cherish now and in the future. Uh, Last September, Henry and a team of researchers went to Algonquin Park to take core samples. And one of the exciting things they found is that there are very few stumps. So there's almost no historical logging to be identified in the old growth areas. So where these old growth trees are, they're there because no one's ever logged exactly. those areas. Yep. So leave them. Yeah, so protect that area. That's fine. Yeah, average age of all trees sampled is 307 years. Uh, there are very four forests around eastern North America uh, where you could find that. Apart from the hemlocks, one clocking in at 427 years of age. The other old growth trees in their samples were yellow birches and sugar maples. I didn't think those trees lasted that long. Yellow, no, no, no. Uh, uh, birches don't last that long. Yeah. Well, they're saying. They're just saying that there's a lot of birches there. The old growth area trees, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's pretty important to protect them because they're huge reservoirs of carbon because a lot of carbon is stored in the logs, in the trees, and the soil, and that always gets released when you log. So there's, you know, besides them being a nice area, it actually serves another purpose, mm-hmm. right? And then they'll get into all the climate change and, yeah, yeah we're not going down that road. <laughs> <laughs> not today. So, yeah, you know what? Like there, there's, you know, you got you got to protect the old growth. You can do the sustainable forestry and protect stuff at the same time. There's no reason you can't. And uh, I think that, that that'll probably, I, I got to think is exactly what will happen is leave that old growth stuff and just get rid of the the extra. Uh, here's a nice little story. Oh, a yes. continuing story. Lewis Wilson, Wilson, 
a rafting guide in North Wales. He noticed something odd at the bottom of Town Falls Rapids while he was kayaking. A group of ducklings was trapped, surrounded by rushing water with no mom in sight. As the day continued, he couldn't stop thinking about the ducklings, so he decided to take action. Paddled down to the rapids as fast as possible and spotted one duckling still trapped. They didn't say what happened to the rest of them. No, if he had acted sooner. Yeah, way to go. (laughs) Scooping the little duckling into his kayak, Wilson paddled the calmer water and was able to bring the duckling ashore. After rescuing it, he kept it overnight with him in his van before he traveled to a wildlife rescue the next day. He's living in a van down by the river? He was living by a van, in a van down by the river. <laughs> uh, well, he's a rafting guy, so, yeah, you know. Sure. Uh, the duckling kept him awake as it was cold, so he slept with the duckling in his hands to keep it warm. As ducklings aren't waterproof, they can die very quickly if they get cold, said Deb, Deb Bolger of the Wildlife Rescue. Once Wilson handed the duckling over to the rehabilitator, the little duck joined a family of orphan ducklings, and now they are being cared for together. So one duck now turns into a family of ducks. The duckling wasn't in a bad state as Lewis had managed to keep it warm during the journey, but it was hungry. The duckling was placed in an incubator with three other ducklings that had been admitted to to them the day before. So they don't say whether those ducklings... (laughs) <laughs> We're the brothers and sisters yeah. of this duckling. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Bolger explains that the duckling will stay with the wildlife rescue for about 50 to 60 days. The amount of time ducklings usually stay with their mother before they fledge and become independent. And they use the word duckling way too many times. I know, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, they are talking <clears throat> about a duckling. It's like a drinking game, right? Yeah. Every time they say duckling, take a drink. <laughs> Uh, Wilson's duckling (laughs) and his new friends were also introduced to another duckling who was showing signs of depression because he was all alone. It was a depressed duckling. Oh, right. He was so pleased once the other ducklings started to appear and cheered up to no end, Bulger says. Thanks to Wilson, the little duckling now has a chance to grow up with new brothers and sisters and live a full and happy life. Sounds like a kid's book. Doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was a neat, neat little story. Somebody's uh, going to make a kid's children's book out of this. Oh, it's going to be a, a TV show or a something. A little kid's yeah. graphic novel. Yeah. Lewis and the Lewis and the Ducklings. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what do we got? Oh. Now, we remember we were talking Quetico, how they were cutting the number of permits uh, per day. Yes. Right? So they were only letting so many <clears throat> people go in from each launch site yep. per day. And they will also want to cut down on the transport boats too as well. Yeah. 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 The, the tow boats. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So that's happening all in Quetico there and they're just in the boundary waters um, saying like, you know, we got to start making all these changes because mm-hmm. just way too many people. Yes. Overrun. So some national parks in the United States are turning to timed entry to manage their ever-growing crowds and limited resources. If you're planning on hitting some parks this summer, you might want to go ahead and start lining up reservations. Uh, a few of these parks are already booked up for summer and looking into September already. Mm-hmm. Uh, these timed entry reservations are wholly different from the 
entrance fee many parks also require. Uh, so get those annual park passes renewed and reservations ready. So, yeah, so you can't just show up and whenever you want this weekend and yeah. go into the park. <clears throat> Everybody's feeling the pressure of of increased popularity of parks. Mm-hmm. People, a lot more people are suddenly getting out. And not just in the States. We'll get into that in a little yeah. bit here. But, yeah, they have to control the park. Like, you can't just overrun a park and expect anybody to enjoy the experience. Well, yeah, you know what? When you get 50,000 people, well, when we went to Iceland, there's this one area um, that they film parts of Games of Thrones in. Oh, so there's a lot of people. Oh, my <laughs> God. There was there go. so many yeah. people. And people don't care. Like, I'm setting up for this one picture, and this person just comes stands in front of me. And starts taking a picture. Yeah. And I'm just like, excuse me? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what do you know? Oh. <laughs> Tracy said I wasn't allowed to punch him in the back of the skull. Well, you anyway. step around and stand in front of him. <laughs> right? Oh, sorry. Is that the back of your knee I kicked? My bad. <laughs> uh, there's just so many people there that you're just like, yeah, I, I can't do that. And people are oblivious, too. Big so time. They're, they're just, it's a very me society. So it's like, no, I want to go. I want to go. Yeah. Uh, Arches National Park, timed entry reservations. So they're talking about the th- these three here. Yeah. Uh, timed entry reservations to access the park are required through October 31st. Per the park's website, Arches will release tickets on a first-come, first-served basis on recreation.gov three months before the entry date. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go th- three months down the road. Yeah. You got to go on and reserve your time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? I'm going to go uh, on like June 20th at uh, 9 a.m. Right. So, and you're stuck to that. And you got yeah, you you got to go there. It's and an then appointment. You, so you go there. Here's my reservation. Okay. Well, here's my entry fee, and yep. and you go for. Yeah. But they don't. They're not really talking about like if you go in at nine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then all day people are following you in. Doesn't mean you, they're not saying anything about a time limit. Uh, so I think you have a, like I, we went to this, uh, sugar shack out west of Toronto, West Village or something, I think it's called. Anyways, I can't remember what it's called, but, uh, so we had a time and we had, we were, we, we were booked for 11 a.m. and we were allowed to be there for two hours. We're, they're not going to, they don't know if you're still there, but they, the expectation is that, you know, you stick to your time. And uh, be honest about it and whatever. So we, we did. We weren't there for much longer. It's, it's not only so much you can do, right? So, mm-hmm. but so we we were there for about an hour and a half. We went in at eleven, and so that was that's how it worked there, right? So, but I, I don't think if you're if you got a walking trail though, mm-hmm. and you've got a nine o'clock appointment, yeah, and you're a hundred and two years of age, sure. But they're just trying to spread people out throughout the day. I, yeah, if, that's, if you yeah. can work on arrival times, you don't have to worry. They maybe the later they'll worry about departure times. But for just to get people spread, they don't want everybody. You know, so if uh, if ten thousand people are interested in arriving that day, and they all want to get there for one o'clock, right? That's the problem. Mm-hmm. So they're going to say, okay, we have times from six a.m. until seven p.m. Yeah. Pick a time and stick to it. Yeah, and like I say, I mean that, that's that's the best they can do. I I, I can't see them saying you've got yeah one and, hour, two hours, or whatever, and then yeah. get the hell out. And I don't think it's so much 
I don't think it's so much like there's a, a portion of it is the concern about having too many people and tramping the backcountry and killing all the plants. I think it also has to do with parking because we've all seen the the videos and the pictures of like you know hundreds of cars lining the road, yep. narrowing a road to single vehicle passing, and it's like it's it's. I think there it's also to do with that too for access point parking. Yeah. Park will also sell limited timed entry tickets for next day visitors. Or if you're an early bird, you can get into the park before 7 a.m. without a timed entry ticket. There you go. I ain't getting there for 5 a.m. <laughs> Glacier National Park. Timed entry vehicle reservations are required between 6 a.m. and 3 p.m. for going to the Sun Road and North Fork from May 26th to September 10th. Two other entrances, Many Glacier and Two Medicine, require time entry between 6 and 3 p.m. between July 1st and September 10th. Similar to Arches, Glacier release, uh, releases the timed entry reservations in blocks, and the park is currently accepting reservations for September 2023. So, yeah, you're not getting a glacier this year. <laughs> no, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> Rocky Mountain National Park. This park has divided its timed entry system into two tiers, Park Access and Park Access Plus, one of which you'll need between May 26 and October 22nd. Uh, this means there are no timed reservations between now and then. So if you want to go, go now. Yes. Go, go, go. Uh, yeah, yeah, turn this <laughs> off and go. The Park Access Entry Pass covers the entire park except the Bear Lake Road Corridor and allows entry between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. The Park Access Plus option allows full access to the park, including Bear Lake Road area, and allows entry from 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's a big difference. It is, yes. Uh, those with campground reservations will not need a time entry reservation. On May 1st, time entry permits were released for the dates opening May 26th through June 30th. Next re release will occur on June 1st for all dates during the month of July and remaining days not fully reserved during the prior month. Uh, this system will continue through the month of October. So that's uh, different. It is. Uh, and they're reacting to increased popularity. And so, oh, they've, they've got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. According to the park, 40% of all reservations will be released via recreation.gov on the day prior to a desired arrival date of 5 p.m. MDT, Mountain Daylight Time, right? Oh, so you'll still be able to access if you didn't know you needed mm -hmm. access. This means that on your planned day of visit, there may still be reservations available, but they go very fast. Mm-hmm. While Arches Glacier and Rocky Mountain are the only three national parks to enforce timed entry reservations for the entire park, many other parks in the system use a similar strategy for limiting visitors to specific sections or anticipated crowded attractions. For instance, Acadia National Park is using a timed entry system for Cadillac Summit Road this year. Zion National Park's famous Angel's Landing hike requires permits year-round, and those permits are awarded via a lottery system. Shenandoah National Park and Haleakala National Park in Hawaii uh, also require timed entry permits to access specific areas. My favorite, Yowsmite, Yos <laughs> Yos Yosemite <laughs> National Park, 
is ending the time entry system it turned to during the height of COVID-19, just as Mount Rainier National Park is considering moving to implement a similar entry system. Rainier saw visitation rise by almost half a million people oh, between wow. 2008 and 2021, according to a National Park Service press release. So no matter which of these parks you're visiting, it's a safe bet there will be some sort of reservation system in place either now or in the future. Now, Algonquin Park started last year. They do the Correct. day pass reservation mm-hmm. system. So if you want to go this weekend, you got to... F- Go online and pre-book yeah. your spot. Yeah. Right? And if you don't. Now, the thing with that now, what we're saying there about there may be some on the, your plan day, if you show up, you didn't know, there may be some, there may not be. I got to think on days where, you know, oh yeah, all these people reserved and then all of a sudden, yeah, we're going to have uh, rain all day. <laughs> how many people do I, not go? Exactly. Right, like how many how many times have you been on canoe trips in Algonquin or Tomogamy or wherever, mm-hmm. and I'm going, we're going, we're going, we're going for five days, da, da, yeah. da, or we're going for a long weekend, and then rain, rain, rain. Yeah, we're just gonna stay home. So, <laughs> and the and the lake that you were on is supposed to be absolutely packed. Yeah, and there's two people on it. We in in my house we we plan some of our vacations that way. It's yeah. Like, Okay, let's see what canceled at the last minute. And so sometimes we've got some fantastic campsites. We don't mind rain. Right. That doesn't bother me. And the kids are used to it now too. They have fun in it. Beckett loves jumping in puddles. And you just have to stand, you know, away from him. But yeah, it's uh it's so all these all these entry stuff is is of course weather dependent, but they can't count on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's for access and for, we see it everywhere. Like uh, I, I buy a Ontario Parks Pass every year. Gives you gives me access to you know, all Ontario Parks. Mm-hmm. But I still have to book like Darlington near me is, uh, it's, you still have to, in the height of summer, you still have to book your day's entry. Like we'll often go down there to walk the beach and it's like, Last time we were there, it was like, oh, you can't enter now. You don't have a day pass. Uh, I've got a year pass. So, no, no, you have to book separately. The right. year pass is for access, but this is the day pass is for access specifically to keep numbers down. I, I, I know exactly why they're doing it, but I look at that. Oh, you got to get a day. That's yeah, just crap. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't cost extra. No, it's just to register, that. right? But you know what? Like, we'll do that a lot. You know what? Why don't we just get up early tomorrow morning and go for a walk and drive yeah. to Algonquin? It's yes, yeah, three hours. Yeah. We'll just we'll yeah. go up for yeah. the day. We'll go do a couple of trails and then come back late, late at night. Yeah, like we've done that. I don't know how many times. Now you could get up there and they go. Hope you enjoyed your three hours. Now turn around, <laughs> and do another three but, hours back home. Yeah, I know, right? Right. So, that's my like, only problem with yeah. it. You know, that, like I said, I mean, that's, and that's a me thing. It's, mm-hmm. I fully understand why they're doing it yeah. and, and they have to, uh, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> what a pain in the arse. <laughs> uh, now this one is, I mean, we ran into this one full on when we went out on a cross country trip the, uh, a few years back, Banff National Park. Uh, they've banned personal vehicles on Moraine Lake Road. Now we went there yeah. and we were lucky to get a spot. People are driving around, driving around. Even the overflow was filled. 
and people were driving around, driving around, waiting and waiting. Mm, yeah, and you yeah, saw yeah. somebody get to their, or like, you follow people that are heading towards their car. <laughs> Stop <right>? people. <laughs> you feel like, okay, why is there eight cars following me? Right? And that's, that's when I go past my car and then all the way back Circle up. Circle back. Circle back. <laughs> oh, there's my car. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, you're needing to use buses or shuttles to get to Moraine Lake now. Yes. Right? They want to limit vehicles up the trailhead. 900 cars park a day and to, so this try is, to, to try to get into yeah. Moraine Lake. 900 cars a day are parked. Are parked. 5,000 are turned away yeah. daily <laughs> in the height of summer yeah. to this one spot. 5,000 cars are turned away daily. That's a lot. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't one of them. <laughs> However, uh, Lake Louise is five minutes past. Mm-hmm. That's the one with the uh, the big um, chateau. Chateau Lake Louise. Lake Louise yeah. on there, and that's uh, one of the Fairmonts. Uh, it's on there. They have the same issues with parking, but they've not put the ban into effect yet. Yeah, they're going to have to. Right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have... You're Those 5,000 people that got turned away want to go somewhere else. Well, and see, we went to, to Moraine. We went to Lake Louise. Um, no problems. But down around that area a little ways away is Johnson Canyon. And it's got a parking lot. It's a real... It, I've been there before. It's a really nice place to visit. It's got a parking lot filled. Mm-hmm. Both sides of the highway... A good two kilometers each way oh. on both sides. Wow. Cars parked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we just drove on by. <laughs> as much as I would have loved to show the kids, yeah. it was just like, there's no way. I'm not parking two kilometers down that road. So I'm talking like two kilometers south yeah. of the entry to the parking lot and two kilometers north. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not parking two kilometers down the road, walking two kilometers to hang out with... What's this? A thousand people? Yeah. <laughs> checking out this trail. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm liable to push push somebody in at some point. I know. You know? So imagine for, for their safety, <laughs> we're just gonna drive right yes. on by. <laughs> I, I visualize it as uh so think of going to uh a mall or let's say Costco on a Saturday or something. It's like mm-hmm. you're it's weaving through the people. Now think about that. On a park trail. Right. It's like, um, this is not why I'm here. And trying to get some photos mm-hmm. and enjoy the quiet. Yeah. You can't even hear the birds. There's so many people. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're definitely, yeah. uh, um, they, they got to start doing something there as well because that's getting totally out of Well, hand. they tried to do something, yeah. but COVID-19 failed. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, to, to get to Moraine Lake, you've got to get a bus or a shuttle from Banff. Mm-hmm. They are create, talking about creating... Now, I, I couldn't really grasp the concept whether it's a done deal, it's being done, or they're still talking about doing it. A rail line from Calgary to Banff. That'd be expensive. Because that's going to limit the amount of vehicles in the town of Banff itself. Now, Jasper, which is north, and mm-hmm. the, there's nothing been said about stuff being limited there yet. But I got to think that if, if it's going to happen in in, yeah. in Banff, it's going to happen in Jasper. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, I, I think maybe once they see what happens to Banff and how much it changes, yeah. then I think Jasper will make their decisions. 
But a rail line, yeah, go to Cal- Calgary, hop on the train, so zip across to Banff. Yeah. You walk around. I mean, you can walk anywhere. It'll limit the number of people. Like, if you block cars from parking in downtown Banff or something, you don't need locals allowed. Mm-hmm. So you come in by train. It's going to limit the numbers of people getting in town. Businesses won't like it. They want the people in there to spend their money. So it's, uh, I don't know. Like, I remember growing. So when I lived out there in the 90s and stuff, it was, I don't remember any of these issues. Like, you go to any no. park. Nobody was going to parks. Everybody's nope. thinking about different stuff. And nope. so it's it's so different now to to think to yourself, I'm going to go for a nice walk in the woods. What's with all the people, right? Hey, I remember being uh, out in the Rocky Mountains, going between Banff and Jasper in the 70s in a big old station wagon with the back <laughs> window rolled down and our feet hanging out. Yes. <laughs> we did that Seat too. Seat belt. <laughs> yeah. We had one of those old station wagons back in the day too. Yeah. <laughs> so with all this stuff happening with some of the national parks in the States and a couple of you know, things starting to happen in Canada here, I wonder if this is going to be a... A possible trend that's going to start with all national, provincial, and state yeah. parks over the next few years. I got to think you're going to start seeing a lot more of this sort of thing. Well, yeah, you, you it, there's no doubt that it's going to happen just because the population populations are increasing and there's a renewed interest in doing stuff outdoors because of the the last few years and dealing with COVID nineteen. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens, uh, but keep an eye on it. But yeah, having having to um, call up and reserve a spot. Yep, yep. Ah, crap! <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, the problem comes down to is uh, a lot of people are just, hey, we're so. Let's say, for example, you're you're off somewheres and you're you're camping, and hey, let's go to this trail. And it's like you you know you head for the trail. It's like sorry, you don't have a timed entry for yeah. this. It's like uh, I didn't. I plan this trip five months ago but i didn't know about timed entries right yeah so it's it's one of those things it's to be caught out at the last second and say i didn't know so they they really got to work on the on the communication part of this but like i do understand it it is unfortunate but it is it'll improve everybody's enjoyment when they do manage to make it into these areas oh yeah i mean even the like i say i mean not so much the backcountry of algonquin i mean you go back there and you're you're paddling you don't have all the issues yeah um if anything in algonquin when it comes to the canoe tripping i think maybe they do the timed thing because there's nothing like showing up the minute that permit office opens at 8 a.m. <laughs> and there's like 15 cars of people waiting to launch. <laughs> yes. Right? It's just like, oh. oh, man. So maybe do, yeah, do the time thing. But I mean, there's some, I think now, I think you can do it online. You print your permits online. Like you register online. I think you that way you don't even need that. the permit office. Yeah. Because, see, that's always been a hard thing. Is like, if the sun is up at 5, I want to launch at 5. Yeah. And then, no, i got to wait till 7 till the permit office yeah. opens. I could be two hours up on Portage <laughs> and in three other lakes by exactly. that point. Yeah. You know, be, be, by the time Loretta decides that she's going to open that door and <laughs> she's had enough coffee in the morning. Yeah. You know. Uh, but, yeah. You know what? We fully understand why they're doing it, and as much as we can grumble and mm-hmm. not like it, it's, it's definitely, I think, for the better. Yes. So. Yes. It, well, it, it it will. 
it'll be a pain. A lot of people won't get to do what they want to do, but anybody who does get into some of these trails and parks, it'll enhance their experience because you're not going to be, it's not going to feel like Christmas shopping spree at, uh, in some of these malls. It's like, Oh yeah. You don't want to be tripping over people and, yeah. and trying to sidestep dog poo and, you know, kicking around cups. And, and so it's, it's it, you don't need that kind of experience in a, in a park. You want, well, hopefully with, with the, the limited amount of people going in, hopefully that helps limit the amount of garbage too. You would hope people are living. But I, I think that's a different issue. That's, that's an ignorance issue. Well, if you got 500 people going in instead of a thousand, that's only a 500 people yeah, literally. Half the amount of people are Half the amount polluting. of people pooping on the side of the trail <laughs> and throwing their coffee cups. Yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, good times. Uh, that's all I've got. That's all I got. That's it. Well, I do. I was, I was just as as I'm the I have the headset on my head, and it reminded me that I spent most of the weekend outdoors, and uh, I didn't wear a hat, and oh. uh, my my hair is getting very thin on top, and I think no, it's I not. sunburned the top of my head. It's, it's not sore. thin on top. The hair is thin on the back. Yes, <laughs> on the top back. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Your convertible roof is open. Yes. <laughs> My fryer tuck is growing. <laughs> Dude, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> but I'm, I just, I almost always wear a hat. So on the weekend I didn't, and I'm not used to my hair getting so thin and not wearing a hat. So I think it's my first top of the head sunburn. Ah, oh, it'll be the first of many, my boy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> One day that sunburn yeah. will be all yours. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, you got to watch that. I've learned that over the years. <laughs> oh, nothing but the good times. Yeah. All right. Well, here's to uh, the start of another good paddling season, man. Yes. It's going to be great. Yeah, May 2 4 weekend's coming up soon. A lot of people are getting out doing stuff. And Yeah. Oh, hey, I'll just give you a bit of a preview. I was talking to a certain person about next week's show. Okay. And he happens to be a writer. Oh, okay. Yes. He happens yes. to be an author. Okay. He happens to be a world famous canoe tripper. Okay. Who's recently released a book mm-hmm. and he's going to be with us next week. Awesome. I look forward to that. Yeah. And his name rhymes with Kevin Callan. <laughs> it rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't rhyme much more. Uh, so, uh, he's got his new top 70 canoe roots book out. So yes. I was chatting with him and said, hey, why don't you come on next week and. Talk, talk to us about your book. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to do that. Mm-hmm. Unless he's, you know, out on a trip or something. Yes. But but, he does do a lot more tripping. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, or we could just hang off to the 400th episode, which is coming up soon. Oh, yes. What are we at right now? We're 377. at... 377. 377. Mm-hmm. So 23 episodes. Yeah. We've had him on every uh, centennial episode. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good time. Well, except for the 300th, because we did that one out backcountry. Oh, But he was on, yeah. like, one close to that. Yes, yes. So. Yeah. Uh, well, that's all I got this week. Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can just go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and listen to all our episodes there. 
Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your fen- your friends, your family, and your fellow paddlers. Yeah, I'm having mouth <laughs> issues now. <laughs> tongue twister. Tongue twister. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Dark Spest. We'll see you next time. <laughs>